I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the bug that splatters across the windshield of crime. I am Darkwing Duck, and I'm listening to the Canned Air Podcast. How about you? Welcome to another episode of Can Dare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jake Runyon. And returning to the show today to talk about a comic called Plot Sick that looks just fucking awesome. That we haven't does. had time to read it yet as we uh, just got it a few moments before the show, but what we've seen looks incredible. We welcome back to the show comic creator and tattoo artist Adam Sword. Adam, thanks so much for being back with us here today. Hey, thanks for having me back, man. It's good to be back. We're going to have some fun today, I there think. We are. Uh, we're going to... Not being October, you know, I think we already we did release one in October already that wasn't yeah. Halloween themed, but I think from now to Halloween we're getting we're gonna, closer. Yeah. We're going to keep the retros Halloween themed. So we're doing popular witches from across pop culture, and this was an interesting uh, bucket to root around oh, in because I was thinking mm-hmm. things started popping up my mind. There's a lot to cover. It's a lot to cover for sure, for sure. Uh, then right, like my childhood was very shaped by witches too. Like when I really was thinking back and trying to come up with some people to talk about, I was like, "Man, remember that fucking movie Witches, the Ronald Dahl one, where the kids got turned into mice and shit? That, that fucked me right up." <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't remember. Can I swear on this show? We're good, oh, right? Yeah. It's a podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> but uh, and then in the comic vault. Jake, what have you got to talk about this week? Well, our previous guest had discussed uh, another comic by Junji Ito, which is one of those artists where every time I'm reminded of him, I've got to go and find something of his to read. So uh, this week I'm talking about a story called Glyceride, which will leave you feeling like you need to take a shower or possibly two. It's horrendous. Can't wait to talk about it. Cool. One of the books we'll be talking about there, and then we're going to turn our full attention over to Adam and talk again about Plot 6. So, but before we do that, Jake. Hey, if you guys like the show, uh, you should visit our website where you can find our whole backlog of episodes, our special guest page, uh, contacts page if you want to reach us for questions, comments, concerns, or perhaps you want to talk about your upcoming project on a new episode. Uh, Furthermore, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, we are active all day, every day. So please stop by on Twitter and Facebook. We are at Pod. On Instagram, we are at canned underscore air. Like, subscribe, retweet, share. Just spread us around like a virus. We're doing what we can on our own, but we need we need help. We need our typhoid yeah. Marys. <laughs> right, right, right. And uh, I just uh, we just started a I started a podcast about uh, three months ago. We do a live podcast on Sunday nights. No shit. And uh, we just like we hit nine listeners one week, and I was over the fucking moon. I was like, you guys, we almost made it to double digits. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like trying to feeling. Keep I remember that. I remember that. The, yeah, the, what do you want? Like, what do you want to listen to our podcast? What's it about? Nerd stuff? Oh yeah, sure, okay. Like, you, it's hard, man. To sell a podcast unless somebody will listen to the podcast. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? I, I'm anxious to hear it now. Uh, so after it's live, do you then post the recording? Yeah, we haven't pushed it real hard yet. Like, they're all available at. Uh, we we broadcast live through Mixler. Um, okay. So once you, it records the broadcast and then you can automatically upload it, you can like, you know, mass outload it to fucking SoundCloud or whatever. But 
we're not really there yet. Like, I'm not pushing hard till November when we get our little studio and proper equipment and shit, so. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I want to touch on that a little bit later to talk some more about your podcast. Yeah. I, I love that stuff, talking to fellow podcasters. What's that? Touch any part of the podcast, a very friendly podcast. <laughs> All awesome. about cops. <laughs> Speaking of new podcasts, we have a new show ourselves that uh, we do. going to be debuting. I need to stop using that phrase. I'm stuck on that. We'll that do. it is. That we are. That we do. <laughs> We're going to think I'm some kind of poorly programmed robot. You bring. He's shorting out on us. <laughs> no, uh, our show What If is you know just a few weeks uh, from from showing up. That online. it is, Jeremy. <laughs> And uh, we're, we're just waiting on some money we're owed from advertising. <laughs> yeah. A sizable check that uh, once we get, we can really put the wheels in motion. and we're, Break a couple of kneecaps. Yeah, we might be a week or two behind the schedule. But know this, ladies and gentlemen, is coming soon. Mm-hmm. New series, What If. We can't wait for it. Head over to Twitter. Uh, find us at What If Series. I think that's right. And on the Facebook, uh, I think it's What If PDCST. Yes, yeah, same with all, Instagram. Yeah, all those tags, man. Those What If tags are hard to hard to nail down, aren't they? But, Common um, enough phrase that it's hard right. to uh, stake your claim on that one. And then really quick, head over to our Patreon page, too. If you're feeling generous and uh, want to support the show, you can, uh, for a few dollars a month, get access to our Patreon pod, which is now going on its uh, 12th month. Uh, we're going to be going on a year now. So, uh, Congratulations. You know, thank you. Thank you. Uh, big thanks to everyone who's backed yeah. us. But, uh, you know, there's also now, if you sign up, there's a catalog of uh, shows there as well you can listen to. So, hey, even if you, like, really hate the show, <coughs> maybe just sponsor us out of spite, you know? I don't really, I don't really show us there you go. how much better you are than us. <laughs> I love that idea. Here's like, some dad being like... Fuck, fuck these guys. I don't want to listen to these guys. Fuck it. I'm going to make them talk more just so I can <laughs> Makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. It's showtime. Got it, dude. no expense. <laughs> All right, guys. Witches. Popular witches. Where do we begin? I want to start out with something I don't fully understand. I remember way back when, when I was but a youth, and Hocus Pocus <laughs> premiered on, what was it, Disney Channel, I think. And yeah, it was fun. I was a kid. You know, my sister I, really loved it. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's a decent... I remember being in theaters... Really? I didn't realize it had a full theatrical release. Well, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, that explains it a little more, but I remember seeing it, liking it to the extent that I could. I mean, I wasn't blown away. And then it almost seems like this year it is exploding. This is the 25th anniversary. Oh, see, that invalidates my whole snarky thing. To be fair, though. Talk about No, like that's that's legit, though, because like even Spirit Halloween Store last year had an official Hocus Pocus costume section for the first time oh, it was yeah. like a- and it's even bigger this year like they got all kinds of merch yeah. i actually Mugs took pictures of funko some. pops yeah yeah funko really got in on that and they were like oh shit with like hocus pocus how did we not have that <laughs> yeah if you uh, look at doug's twitter or instagram doug jones he uh, has been traveling around with the cast has he really uh promoting yeah. uh, of course minus bet mittler and thor birch wow, yeah. but uh yeah yeah huh I don't know. Like, are you not? You're not. So you're. Are you confused by the the uh, 
legendary adoration that this movie has attained for people? This like, is it enduring not popularity? I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I mean, mm. it's fun. It's maybe not my favorite movie in all Christendom, but man, sure. people are just foaming at the mouth for it. Well, it's like anything else, you know. You know, you get you get a cult following, yeah, and something can manifest a certain amount of popularity, and then at a certain point. It starts to roll like a trend, and then yeah, people are getting yeah. into it just because their friends are into it, and because the people at work becomes are into the it cool thing to do. Be, yeah, hold on though. Like, I, like I, I totally agree with what you guys are saying in that regard, and like that that kind of bandwagony uh, viral spreading of of fandom. But I, I feel like maybe you're still watching Hocus Pocus with the idea of it was a flick I liked when I was a kid, because like this movie. It's a very easy hit list. Like, A number one, Drew Struzan movie poster, which is amazing. It's the three of them riding the vacuum in front of the moon, and it's just oh, a yeah. stunning play. You've got Bette Midler, who was a Tom Waits collaborator, right, doing a version of I Put a Spell on You that actually puts a spell on people. I'll and then there's a solid cover. Right. And then Doug fucking Jones, man. <laughs> like, this man is the monster of our generation. And what is he in this movie? A fucking like spitfire, sassy ass zombie who slept with Ben Midler and then cheated on her with pre nose job Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> hey, let and me like, just clarify let's not... really quick. I'm not shitting on this movie saying no, it's no. unjust because <laughs> I've always been a fan of this movie. Love this film. So, like, are you just curious where the fandom's coming from all of a sudden? I guess with merch? that's what because it is. Like, and I, I have okay. to admit, the way you're spinning this, I appreciate where you're coming from. But, yeah, to me, it never really got out of that, like, oh, I remember this from when I was younger. I guess sure, I, sure. I didn't carry it with me the way a lot of people seem to be doing, which is fine, but... It's become like the Christmas story has to Christmas, where it's like it's on all the time during the season. And if you haven't seen it two or three times, you feel like you're not doing something right. (laughs) Like you you failed Halloween somehow. Or it's like the way that they sell copies of a Christmas story. Who needs to buy a physical copy of that movie? That's a good point. I suppose people that have actual television. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but even then, like if you've given up on TV and you're just streaming, are you really the type that's going to be like, I have to see a Christmas story this year? No, no. No. You've skewed tradition enough. You're like, nope. I'm done with commercials and news and everything. I just want selected programming all the time. TBS just really, really ruined that movie. I think for a lot of people. I mean, just because you know it's on twenty four what twenty four hours every Christmas, right? Oh yeah start to finish and as much as you dread it somehow the tv always ends up on it you know, there's no I, stopping it. i don't understand it's, it how it happens it's there's got to be some shadow government mind control signal embedded in that movie or something that keeps us all <laughs> docile everybody's just like zombie at the tv <laughs> the whole community in unison like fragile <laughs> <laughs> i do want to know what that meeting was like where like the fucking uh program editor i don't know whoever decides what's on when at a tv station whatever that job is called what is that job called schedule it's gotta be called something i think it's just called scheduling yeah we'll go with that um i want to know that pitch meeting where they're like listen christmas 24 hours christmas story 
and then like done got their end of the year bonus and went on vacation and that was it i have to imagine the pitch was that exact phrase and then like a slow (laughs) clap from all the executives like one that slow clap came after he pitched it just like this get this guys we don't have to work Christmas. We'll put the DVD in and hit it <laughs> fucking repeat and just go home. My God. Slow claps. Just raise through the room. <laughs> like, are there any other days of the year we can do this with? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Halloween. Like, wait, what about Groundhog Day? It'll be so meta. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween will be the next holiday with Hocus oh, Pocus. I mean, it's kind of already starting to happen, right? Mm-hmm. I'm all right with it, man. Any... Any merch that I see in a store, which is every store now, it has has their nerd gear. Um, anytime Hocus Pocus can replace some fucking tired ass Nightmare Before Christmas merchandise around Ooh. Halloween, yeah, I that's will a slow clap to now. that, sir. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because when I was at Spirit Halloween, right next to uh, the Hocus Pocus stuff, was uh, you know you know how they have the big like animatronic things you step on a pedal and it lunges forward mm-hmm. at you and screams or something. They had a life size Jack Skellington and his uh, girlfriend. I don't I know what she's called, name. but uh, you stepped on it and he talks and moves his arms. I thought this is getting the fuck out of hand. It's like <laughs> are people as as I sit here and go are people buying this? I would guarantee they probably are. Like, oh for just, sure. Oh, What's interesting God. about that is that like that. That apparatus that you just described is superiorly like advanced technology to the actual Jack Skellington. As <laughs> there is so you know. much more at work there. <laughs> right? Like he went from just like a puppet to like the fucking Jamboree Bear Band in one move. And that's a lot of steps. That's like, like... stone to Iron Age. Yeah, you have to invent like a wheel and find fire before you get that far. Like so clay figure things first. <laughs> oh but. my god! All right, well, let's move forward. Witches, from Hocus They're Pocus. Uh, let's go over to you, Adam. Popular witch. Um, so I this is hard for me. I love witches, man. I'm a big witch fan. I, I married one, man. I'm, I'm a huge fan of witches. <laughs> and uh, like the Surly bottle that I did last year for the Surly Company was Baba Yaga. Because oh, I was like, right? Like, I even put her chicken footed house in the background. It was a lot of fun. I love witches. So, uh, this was a tough one for me. I think that, like, I wanted to go Lafayette from True Blood just because I thought he's like a really underrated character in the sense that, like, nobody thinks of him as a witch. Everybody loves Lafayette, but they're not like, oh, he's a witch. And he definitely is a witch, specifically, and not a wizard. But. Instead, I think I'm going to pull a little to the left and go back to a very distinct memory of my childhood and go with uh, Grandmama from the Adams Family. The oh, wow. Cool. I didn't even think about her. Right? Yeah. That was my shit, man. Like, Adams Family, obviously, when I was like five and my name was Adam and a movie called The Adams Family came <laughs> out, I was like, I'm going to see that motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> from my friend's like fourth or fifth birthday party and. I we like got a big bucket of popcorn and a huge soda to share amongst the four kids because we were all sitting where I was supposed to pass back and forth. And I was so engrossed in that movie immediately that I literally drank the entire soda to myself, (laughs) like uh, blissfully unaware that all the other motherfuckers in the row were like, Adam, Adam, give me the fucking soda. (laughs) They probably weren't. I mean, they might have been swearing at that point. I was five. Uh, 
but <laughs> I'm just totally unaware. Like I was just like, this is the greatest film ever. Like I want to go home and put my sister in an electric chair and have a cool like slip and slide that leads to a gold vault. Like this is the shit. <laughs> Yeah, those were fun movies. Those yeah. were definitely fun There's movies. something phenomenal about that whole Adams Family concept. Mm-hmm. Just surrounded by all this morbidity. And yet, probably the most rock-solid marriage of any television show couple in history. Oh, yeah. yeah. No kidding. Yeah, they There is be... no higher relationship goal than Gomez and Morticia. Dude, that, that is like, but... Top of the top. You have to be in a relationship like that to make that mustache work. <laughs> he you no longer just, needs like, to like, prove himself. Yeah, like you can't just like walk out as a bachelor into the world with that mustache <laughs> and be like, no, people are going to take me seriously. This is going to work. <laughs> All right, guys. This one was right at the top of my... Uh, was one of the first things I thought of because it, it, it horrified me the first time I saw it. I got this video game... And uh, I was told to play it in the dark with surround sound on. <laughs> Left for Dead. Oh, and good call. the witches in that game are nothing short of horrifying, especially the first time you come up on one. You don't because really know how to handle it. You just you first hear the crying, which just sounds like a, an innocent like, like any child, child yeah. or a young woman sobbing, and you eventually come on to what you know, so, like a what looks to be a young woman sitting down on the ground and sobbing into her hand with her back to you. And as you approach, like, you think, I, I guess my natural reaction at first was to see if I could help. Oh, shit. And then when you get up to her, she spins her head and her eyes are just, like, white. And she screams and starts chasing you as fast as she can. And, man, that was wicked. Yeah. yeah it's brutal. Unfortunately, it was one of those things that only worked once, you know? It was. And once that whole game aware. was really like that. Yeah. Um, you know, they give you all the bad guys pretty much by the second or third level, and you just like, were eh, doing the okay. same thing in just different environments all the way to the end, which is fine. Yeah, yeah I guess it's you for don't have online to... play and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it's fine. It, you know, it was a good game, though. The second game, which I don't think was as well received, but I liked it because at the time I played it, it was the most absurdly violent game I've ever played. I remember swinging a fire axe, chopping three or four zombies in half, and watching them tumble down the stairs, their intestines falling behind them. Oh, sick. And I was like, oh, shit, this is my life now. And I remember there was one <laughs> level, it's like it's like in an old abandoned farm or granary or something. Yeah. And there's, like, nothing but witches. And they're mobile. They're, like head in their hands sobbing but like wandering around you've got to tiptoe your way through all of these witches because if you spook one the rest are going to get pissed and you know it's already a team effort to kill one of them let alone a dozen and i thought that was cool like all right you're used to the witch procedure yeah they everybody don't fuck up you know so we don't have to deal with it you avoid it and they're like all right you think you're so good at avoiding witches here's an entire sequence of witches you know wow not exactly a less is more kind of philosophy of game design, but it was cool. I thought I had played the second one, but now I don't think I have. I would have remembered that. It's it's more the same, but with fancier gore effects. Sure. I, mean, I would say so, if like spilling there. intestines oh, and rolling dude. down the stairs. I watched that happen and the first time. I was just in awe. I was like, is this, is this okay? Can we see Did this? Did you get a little hard? You probably got a little hard. I can neither confirm nor deny... <laughs> 
the erectness <laughs> that I experienced then, but I... Uh, I, I bet you did. It was a non-zero level of art. <laughs> I'm going to throw this out there right now. I'm stealing nothing but witches, because that's a killer band name. <laughs> Dude. Nothing but witches. Uh, that's it. That's all now, I here's got. Here's the question. Do I also you love... nothing but witches, or nothing like I and apostrophe but witches? Or oh, no, no. It's got nothing. cred. It's nothing. Like, no G's in that, not in that band name. Oh. No, it's just nothing but witches. We can keep all the G's in the band. And uh, we all quarter like nothing for witches. Nothing but witches. That's nothing but witches. <laughs> right. Nothing for I, witches. I like that for like that Left for Dead, the idea of like there's probably some dude way down the ladder whose job it was to study the mechanics of intestines slipping downstairs. Oh, and like if he heard this, he would probably be so happy. That like you mentioned that specific detail. He's like, I did that shit. I spent work. three months researching that shit. <laughs> Fucking Chris going up sausage links and throwing yeah, them down. Oh man, that's more humane. I just thought he probably just took a pig to the top of the stairs and just <laughs> spilled his guts right down the stairs. <laughs> oh my god! I got so that's how it happens. God, like in my mind, it like this pursuit destroyed his whole life. Like he dedicated himself, body and soul, to perfect perfect inner physics cost him his Righty. marriage doesn't even see his kids anymore but that one guy on rotting a in a jail cell somewhere <laughs> yeah. like christian bale and the machinist just like <laughs> yeah. emaciated no, I will it's just eating it. him alive it's like the viscosity of the blood will change as it starts <laughs> that'll decrease on the, the fucking slipperiness so like, like yeah that's wonderful i want him to know his work was not in vain excuse me yeah we see sir <laughs> And slow clap. God bless your service to this country. <laughs> All right, uh, Jake, I More think we're witches. back to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned it, and I kind of snapped at you because I thought you were going to, if it's cool with you, I'm going to talk about Baba Yaga, who's one of my favorite mm. mythological figures of all time. Hell yeah. No my, idea My sister's got a friend with a Baba Yaga tattoo, and I'm half tempted to carve out that little portion of skin and keep it but they don't let you do that these days uh Baba actually Yaga. there's a company that will do that for you no shit wow yeah when you die they'll remove your tattoos stretch them and preserve them and then send them to your loved ones oh my god that's what the awesome fuck and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get fully like i'm heavily tattooed so my plan is to just get all of them preserved and then send a different one to each member of my family and then <laughs> oh. um the of my death they can reassemble me from the framed yes. photos and it'll be all wicker man style in times of like great Nick need will still be there and he'll be screaming about bees and shit it'll be great <laughs> just like some buffalo bill shit <laughs> like you're gonna have like a whole skin suit <laughs> s- spread across your family my only wish yeah, is I to got... be worn after my death <laughs> <laughs> what do they call that man there's a name for that it's uh it's an occult thing where you make a suit out of someone's skin Oh, I'm uh, so disappointed that I don't know that. Me too. It's a real thing. Like, I, I stumbled upon it when I was researching uh, Hands of Glory. Nope. And it's like a specific type of, like, the idea is that while you're wearing someone else's skin, you're invulnerable. Necro pants. That's what it is. Thank you, sweetheart. My wife, she was just like, <laughs> necro pants. <laughs> I, got, I got married, and obviously it was a good call. Yeah, it sounds that way. <laughs> Holy shit. Very good, very good. There's uh, another band Yaga. name for you. 
Fucking Baba Yaga. Please go yeah, on. Yeah, I want to hear Baba Yaga. Slavic mythology, one of my favorite things in all creation. I can't pronounce half of it, so I'm not going to try and make myself look like a tool. But Baba Yaga is like the archetypal crone hag kind of figure. If there's a story where someone needs to go out in the woods to parlay with someone ancient and powerful, like Baba Yaga is the framework for that story. And mm. depictions okay. change, but there are some constancy. Uh, Adam mentioned earlier she's got a house on chicken legs that goes pretty much where she wills it. Uh, sometimes there's mention of a fence made of burning skulls to warn you you're entering her territory. Say at night Ooh. she flies around in a mortar and pestle, which is just... What the fuck? I know, right? A mortar That's and pestle. So like, yeah, how'd that even work? Like she's sitting in it? Like When you're Baba Yaga, you make it work. <laughs> so It's so much more effective than a broom, too. Like right? a witch isn't going to care about some dust, you but like relax. she might find some shit and needs to grind up. Like... <laughs> So the movie uh, The Witch, remember that? The, like yeah. three years ago, two or three years ago. Oh yeah, with the the sort of one the, of the they best were, was, movies of the last twenty years. What's that? Love that. I love that flick, man. It's one of my favorite movies. I did too, and I'm having a hard time finding people who also love it. I I wasn't a fan. I'm sorry. No, you don't have to apologize, man. It's a very specific taste. You know what I mean. It like that's not like it's like when I, I, I tell people that Brazil is my favorite movie, oh, dude. I, I I never expect anybody to agree. You know how many people like, I've tried to get to watch that movie? I'm like, you got to watch Brazil. Terry Gilliam's a genius. It, this is going to change you. And then they'll come back like, yeah, I didn't get it. I'm like, oh come on, man. Just I use the term. I go weirdo. like, if Monty Python did 1984, <laughs> you would have Brazil. And if that phrase doesn't sell them right off the bat, then maybe there's no. Yeah, I'm, I'm really trying to get everything. Like I'm working on my elevator pitches, so I'm just taking <laughs> other ones. Anything you can like, sentence. I don't think I'm going to get. I'm not a Monty Python fan either. Uh, really, I, I don't think. So I'm, that's a big issue. I feel like a third wheel to your guys's show here. I'm just going to kind of sit by and listen no, to y'all talk. <laughs> we got to talk about Baba Yaga in Brazil. We're heavily yes. representing for these tonight. <laughs> So another witch that would maybe be inspired by what you guys are talking about uh, that I have on my list here is a witch you never really even see in the movie, Blair Witch. Blair Witch. I was actually just going to say that, man. The, the the most famous witch that you've never seen. Right, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you get all Three those movies creepy she's not movies. in any of them. <laughs> oh, I forgot there was a... What? The third one was fairly recent, too, right? Yeah, I went and saw that, and was, they give you some yeah. glimpses, which don't really make sense. What? what actually... What was, Go ahead. Uh, in the, as a as a, as a as an aficionado and a Blair Witch enthusiast, the creature that you see in Blair Witch is not actually supposed to be the Blair Witch. Oh, what's the what's the official it, story? Uh, it's 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 left very much ambiguous. But like when people were people were talking about it, and the filmmaker was like, "It's not the witch." Huh. Like like the witch is present and that is an a, like an agent of the witch, but it's not specifically the witch that like the one running through the forest. Once you get into the house, I think there is a screenshot where she shows up like her face does like towards the end. I, I literally I did an alt movie poster for Blair Witch last night and have watched all three of them in the last 72 hours. Oh, holy shit. <laughs> um the the third one, please refresh me. I I saw the second one in the theater, and boy, was I disappointed. 
Yeah, horrible flick. Oh, oh man, horrible. Yeah, I mean, because it, it really became a movie then. It wasn't the yeah, you right. know teenagers with the camera in the woods. Did did the third one go back to that at all? What, what yeah. Title? So yeah. the third one is it's uh, the the uh, documentarian from the first film. It's her younger brother, and it's an it's an accurate amount of time since the release of the ninety four footage to the two thousand sixteen nice footage. So like he's in his uh, like early 20s now and he decides to go out and try to figure out what happened because somebody sent him footage and he thinks he sees his sister in it and it's recent footage. Um, so he takes his crew out and they try to figure out if like his sister's still out there. Is it, is it worth seeing, guys? I was pleasantly surprised. I, I love that. Pretty movie. low expectation. Yeah. Would you, you say, That'd Adam? I think it's a great flick, man. And to be fair, I'm kind of entering into this point in my life where all I see is the silver lining. <laughs> like, so, like, I just, like, like, like even Blair Witch 2 Book of Shadows, not a great flick, but there is, uh, they were talking about how there was a scene added to that movie. And the footage of them, the footage they find of them uh, traipsing off into the night and killing the other hitchhikers and, like, doing the Black Mass and everything, mm -hmm. that was not originally in the film. So what happens is that movie changes from you see these people who lose their memory and find out that they were bewitched by like by the Blair Witch and then, you know, murdered a bunch of people. But without that, it becomes a very ambiguous statement. You're like, wait a sec, were they possessed or were they just like crazy? Huh. Did they even do it? You know, and it, it's a much uh, it's a much sharper flick that way. Um, but Blair Witch, the 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 direct sequel to the original it disregards uh book of shadows is is a really solid flick man there's a lot of good jump scares you know we've had found footage films forever now starting because of the blair right. Witch. yeah <laughs> right. it, and what a bombshell it was when it came out i mean it was hard to avoid it was and i think a lot of people i think for a long time i think even myself included you know it was kind of sold as a real thing this this really happened this is real footage because yeah, again it's like you when you don't outwardly deny it you just like well oh, that you didn't you didn't see that kind of movie either right. so it's like oh wow this just looks like found footage Man, i remember doesn't... when i was young and fragile and i couldn't watch horror movies because mm. I, I just couldn't handle it that was the sure. one that like i forced myself I'm like okay we're gonna see how how brave we are and it scared the holy hell out of me it mm -hmm. was yeah. awesome but it yeah. scared me in the right way and it, it just felt correct but Oh man, the the third one was solid, and you know I'm just a sucker for that like lanky, pale ghoul type of monster that you just catch a glimpse yeah. of, you know. So it's okay. almost like like uh, Slender Man's yeah. like it's got kind of a, older the rake sort of deal. Yeah, yeah. It, it's really it's nice, man. I liked it. I liked the design in that flick a lot too, and, and uh, it didn't just rely on jump scares. There's like some very real claustrophobia that oh, comes dude. into play. That was hard and to watch. That was rough, right? Like I've been watching horror movies my entire life. I was—I've uh, never slept much, and um, I have a sister who's six years older than me, and she was really into horror. So when I was young, I would sneak out of my room because she would have like friends over to watch movies, and they turn all the lights off. So I'd like army crawl, and our couch had an angled back, so there was this little amount of space between the wall and the couch. And I would shimmy in there and watch the horror movies from behind the couch. So, like, I'm, you know, f f 
four or five years old and I've seen the Nightmare on Elm Street series, the Friday the 13th series and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and, you know, the original last time, like, like raw stuff. And so for me, it's, it's a lifelong interest. I love horror movies. Like my Inktober, I'm doing instead of one ink drawing, which is not that hard to do a day, I'm doing an alternate movie poster for every weekday in October. Oh, shit. Um, and they're all horror based with the exception of the Joaquin Phoenix Joker poster I did. Cause that was just, I, I had the idea on October 2nd and I was like, look, I already did one. <laughs> I <laughs> would see that. I would oh, love to yeah. see that. I'm such a big fan of the way he looks as the Joker. Yeah, I'm I'm really amped about that flick, and I don't know, I don't have a huge circle, but there was a lot of grumbling about it, and I just had all these Heath Ledger flashbacks. So my goal with the poster was very specifically like I gotta paint a portrait of Joaquin Phoenix that is gonna make people shut up and just be excited. Like you have to go into DC movies with zero expectation oh, and no doubt. pockets full of optimism. <laughs> Uh, I have this whole theory about the the DCU, the Snyderverse man, about how it's not the reason people don't like them is because they go for superhero movies and what they get are Greek tragedies. <laughs> um, so you have to watch them in a specific order and you have to start with the ultimate cut of Watchmen oh. because that's what gets you into Snyder's world. But I did a whole I did an hour and a half long podcast about how Justice League was awesome. And it started with fucking Buffy. I was like, we have to go all the way back to the beginning of Joss Whedon to understand why Justice League is a really good movie. (laughs) We just uh, last week on the show had some guys on that uh, were really talking about the, uh, oh man, what's the Ron? Let me think. The Astonishing X-Men? Yes, the Astonishing X-Men that Joss Whedon did uh, so highly. And then by chance, the very next day, I was talking to somebody who out of the blue just recommended the same book. So, uh, I'm reading those right now, and they're awesome. good reads thus far. Yeah, Joss Whedon, he's like, he's very hit or miss, and he's not a strong finisher. Um, like, the last season I've of Buffy, described the same has another... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Buffy has another, another very prominent pop culture witch in Willow, who was one of the first, oh, yeah. like, positive, non-manipulative witches to be featured on primetime television. Because, like, when you look at, um, what is it, like, uh, Bewitched, here's a witch who's just got an idiot for a husband who she's constantly having to save and, like, push around. He's basically an accessory in the show. So much so that they place him as an actor and nobody mentions it. (laughs) Um, And then you've got, like, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, who, again, like, as a, you know, growing up with Nickelodeon, Clarissa was a huge deal. And then I'm like, oh, now she's magic. That's even better. Um, again, she's kind of that faltering witch where she's using her power to influence people's behavior in a way that's, you know, self-serving and not necessarily altruistic or for their best interests. But Willow comes along in Buffy and like you feel for this character for a few seasons before suddenly she's a witch. And then she does exactly what you want a witch to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, the show ends and Joss Whedon continues the comic uh, show, the story in comic book form. I think it was season eight or nine was a uh, comic book. And like issue two, suddenly Buffy is a lesbian. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just like, I don't know where you're like, oh, no, Buffy's a lesbian. Yeah, Spike and Angel, don't worry about that. <laughs> so like forget everything, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it's like I wanted to do this for years, but I was on TV. So now I can do it. And uh, so he's, you know, he's got, he's kind of hit or miss for me. Like he either does really, really good or he does dollhouse. 
<laughs> There's no gray area there. Right? There's really not, man. He's 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 a Spinal Tap creator. It's always to eleven, and if you're into it, it's your thing. And if it misses, it really fucking misses. He's got that Babe Ruth thing going. Right. Oh man, this is uh this is running a little bit long. I'm I'm afraid we're gonna have to move on. But damn, what's some uh, this is some good witch talk. I want to yeah. keep going, man. But I'll be editing for days if I do. Which is part two next sure. week. Which is part two next week. Um, we'll we'll have to talk about that maybe. But yeah, we need to move on. We're about what forty minutes in. Oh jeez, sorry. I do get chatty. I apologize. No, no, I'm hey, not. Man, that is the point. Can you believe this Adam guy, Jake? Jesus. <laughs> what a piece of shit. Right? Wants to podcast. come onto our podcast and <laughs> be an engaged interviewee. No, we just need to uh, move on because uh, we have some... We're just going to have to skip the t-shirt commercial this week. No one's buying the so, Society6.com forward slash Pod. Get t-shirts, decals, all that happy just horseshit. But our dear friends over at Adult Swim... I've sent some more things, Jake. Is it gift giving day again? It is gift giving day again, yes. Two boxes this week. Two boxes. Jesus. They must really want our love. They want our love desperately. And in this one right here. Not enough to be present in our lives, but enough to get us lots of gifts. Correct. And (laughs) this one here, you'll see they sent a dead bird. No, a. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? Why would you do that to me? (laughs) For a second, I was sure that's what it was. So it's not a dead bird. (laughs) (laughs) Son of a bitch. It is a pillow of some kind of robot here. Is this from uh, the old Dream Analysis? Dream Corp. Dream Corp. That's the one. Dream Corp LLC, season two, October 21st. Take weekly on Sundays at midnight, it says. Oh, God. I remember when I was in Austin seeing a big mural on a wall that said, We anal lies your dreams. Just analyze, cut up in the worst possible <laughs> way. It's fucking wonderful. I think it looks pretty cool. Yeah, it's got a very right. uh, retro-futuristic droid thing going. Right, right. I, I dig him. There's something endearing about the robot that's just cobbled together out of shitty, outdated electronics. Yeah, and it's not a dead bird. So, I no. mean, that that helps. That's a plus. I like birds. That was the best way to start that segment, because no matter what's in those boxes now, people are like, whew, at least it's not a dead animal. <laughs> not a dead animal. <laughs> Adult Swim going uh, off the deep end, just fucking mailing out dead birds. Uh, dude, that was some beautiful wordplay. You're like, Adult Swim, fucking deep end, I'll make a swimming joke. <laughs> Oh, oh my lovely. god, I didn't even think about wow. that. That was, that was so good. I can't fucking, take credit for that. I'm gonna you, get, you got some like Rain Man podcast skill right there. <laughs> Harry, just like no fucking callback. He's I, doing it when he's not even aware I, of it. It just comes naturally. It just comes I out. Guess. <laughs> Dream Corpse LLC season two, October twenty first at midnight. Set the DVRs, people, and then cool, cool. We have another package. My God, maybe this one is the dead bird. Mm. Let's see what we got you here. Crazy, Jeremy, it was yeah. funny the first time. Oh, am I? So, I'm so sorry. <laughs> kind of a dead bird. We've, oh. we've got we've got Harvey Birdman. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not they literally all. just like, what do we have in the basement? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, no, it looks like he's coming back. This is uh, Harvey Birdman, Attorney General. Oh, Attorney General. Good for oh. him. But this is a card. It's a card that has his face in gold on the front. You open it, it says, The Presidential Inaugurapeachment <laughs> Committee requests the honor of your presence at the inaugurapeachment of Phil Ken Seben? Seben? 
46th and a half president of the United States. Midnight, Sunday, October 14th on Adult Swim. Let's see what they sent us here. It's a hat. This is already Jack's, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Jack, he's, I think, is the only one that wears ball caps. Hey, it's not a fucking flat bill, so... <laughs> okay. 46.5. This is obviously... This hat is supposed to be a Make America Great Again play. It's certainly a spin on that whole angle. But it just says 46.5 on it. <laughs> Thanks, Adult Swim. Yeah. You know, you never know what you're going to get. No, nope. You never you know. You really... God, you really don't, do you? <laughs> you just don't. We've got some cool shit, though. Um, oh, yeah. Kites, the, shot glasses. The shot glasses come to mind. Rick and Morty action figures. Oh, yeah. What time is it? Dead box. What's it? <laughs> <laughs> so, again, Harvey Birdman, Attorney General, October 14th, Sunday at midnight. Set your DVRs. I'm going to have to. I'm really excited to yeah. see that. One time they mailed really me my cool. own grandfather's ashes. I don't know how they fucking got them. <laughs> What if they brought back Space Ghost Coast to Coast? Oh, dude. That would be tight. Fucking, well, we'd stop being canned air immediately, and we'd become a recap podcast for Space Ghost episodes. <laughs> I would be interested to see, like, the, the Space Ghost No Coast, and just have it be, like, bumpkin Midwesterners in the Space Ghost <laughs> world reacting to current politics and pop culture. That would be fun. Be into that. Just like some like like Space Ghost sitting on a John Deere tractor. <laughs> Ooh, or you, what like, you could even do like a a, a uh, freaking uh, Space Ghost version of like Tosh Point oh or something. That would be right. funny. <laughs> like a clip show host. Yeah. Kind of oh. That would I'm be Space funny. Ghost, and our writers don't do much. We <laughs> <laughs> just have the episodes go wrong and yeah. blame it on the blame it on the, what was his name? Looks like we don't have that clip. Zorak. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. All right. Very good. Very good. Thank you Adult Swim for all the goodies, <laughs> the hats, the pillow, the dead birds. And uh, again, we'll re- we'll rattle those dates off here again at the end of the episode. And uh with that, let's swing open the door to the comic vaults. Let's keep it brief as oh, we're running yeah, yeah, out yeah. of time. Let's I... keep it just a few minutes apiece. Jack or god damn it, Jake, do you want to go first? How dare you? <laughs> uh yeah, I'll go first. I've talked about this author before, uh, Junji Ito. I, mm. I'm, I'm not so hot on Japanese uh, comics or animation, but this guy in particular has got a direct link to the shit that interests me. He's just He always seems to find a way to uh, get me involved. And he has a, a whole bunch of short, profoundly disturbing horror stories. This one that I read was called Glyceride. It's about a girl who lives with her brother and father, her mother long since dead, uh, in an apartment above a barbecue restaurant her father owns. And it opens up, she's talking about how the ventilation is horrible and the air is heavy with grease and the Ugh. wallpaper's peeling and their clothes are always filthy no matter how much they wash them. Their skin is disgusting and mm. gross. And that becomes this theme of like the oppressive, heavy greasiness of it to the point where you, you can almost feel it on your skin the more sure. you read. Her brother is some sadistic psychopath who torments her every chance he gets and she catches him pulling bottles of frying oil from the cupboard and drinking them straight. His skin starts to break out into boils and pustules, and he starts to leak fluids, and it's horrendous. And it's kind of her descent into madness, realizing her family is just never going to bounce back from this weird, obsessive thing they have. And and her home gets filthier, her brother and father get stranger, and it's, it's difficult to explain what's frightening about it 
it's it's less about what happens in the story mm-hmm. as as the feel you get when you're reading it. When you say frightening, do you just mean like a claustrophobic aspect of what that there's, character? There's is, a psycho. There's a there... dread to it when you put yourself in that girl's shoes. You're just like, ah, oh, cr- how? You, you know? know, it makes me think of uh, episodes of not that I've watched this show on the regular or anything, but I've seen the show Hoarders, and you know, you see it's, it's instances kind of got that vibe, yeah, where there are family members just driven away because you know, as children, you know, they might be tidy, might be clean, sure. but you know, they're just they're Things watching just the change. walls, you know. Close Close in on them be- yeah. because of all the garbage. And and you get a very real situation. Yeah. Two sides of that same coin. It's like the horror of living in that state. And what's even more frightening is what you can get used to. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it definitely gives you that vibe and it's frightening and horrific. And I feel a little dirty just talking about it. So I highly recommend it. Junji Ito Glyceride. Glyceride. That's the one. <laughs> Very good, very good. Prepare to see pictures of it, whether you like it or not, on Twitter. So, <laughs> Very good. Adam, would you like to go next? Yeah, sure. This one isn't that old. It's literally just the last thing I read. Um, and it's uh, it just came out in trade edition. It's a book called Batman White Knight. Um, by Ooh, Sean Murphy. I'm very curious to hear about this, because I've, I've just seen that title, and I know nothing about it. Um, it's the first book officially. It was retroactively put on DC's Black Label, which is kind of like it's a it's like a hybrid of Vertigo and Elseworlds. It's for people to tell like more adult and darker like DCU stuff without mm-hmm. affecting canon. Um, so Sean Murphy, uh, the book itself is about the premise is that Joker takes a specific medication and is cured. And becomes oh, wow. Jack Napier again and runs for public office on a one percenter, like an anti one percenter platform and points to Batman as one of Gotham City's primary tools of oppression. Um, and like this, whole, like a, a vigilante in a way you don't think about it, like why does he always wind up exploding buildings that are in poor income areas? Like, you never see, like, you know, like, Wayne Tower will catch on fire once in a while, but it's, like, when there's these huge city-wrecking areas, it's always, like, in the poor part of town. Huh. Um, so he takes uh, public office, and um, I'm, I won't give away the, the farm with it. It is one of the best Batman stories I've read in a long time. Um, and when I say long time, I've only been reading Batman for about a year, but I've read a lot of Batman <laughs> in that year. Um, like a, kind of a gross amount. And it's poignant. It's topical. It's gorgeous. Um, also because it's this black label, he basically got to put whoever he wanted to in it. So he took a lot of characters from the Batman animated series and oh, wow. inserted them in an updated fashion into uh, into the story. Jack Napier and Harley have a very healthy, okay relationship because he's not crazy and abusive anymore. Um, like they have a date night. It's really cute. Like you're sitting there watching them like play, like shoot pool and have cocktails. And you're like, oh my God, this is adorable. And you're like, this is fucking Joker and Harley. But it's just, it's a really solid book. And um Sean Murphy's got a very specific style, but I really dig his creator-owned books where he writes and draws. He did a book called Punk Rock Jesus that was all his. That was really, really solid. Um, And he's done, you know, killer, killer stuff with uh, 
Joe the Barbarian with Grant Morrison, and he did a run on Hellblazer with Cy Spencer. He did The Wake with Scott Snyder. Um, his pedigree is just really nice. Chrononauts with Mark Miller, like his stuff's top notch. So, getting to see him do Batman is is really rad. It's a great book. That sounds amazing. That's something I've never even considered. Like the Joker being cured. Like that's something that's never even that changed the dynamic. Yeah, because you you kind of see in the uh, in the Dark Knight Returns, you know what the absence of Batman does to the Joker. You know, he just kind of shuts down, goes dormant. Yeah. So, but the opposite way. How does the Batman react without? uh... Hmm. I I can see that. I gotta read that. Yeah. Trade just came out this past week, and it's worth every penny. Awesome. I will do that. All right, very good. Uh, what I have this week is a comic that I have not even read yet. It is a comic <laughs> that is uh, very new, very new, and it's uh, available to be read online at uh, Tapas. It's T-A-P-A-S. It's like a web comic form you can go to. People sign up and upload their strips on there. Cool. And uh, what this is is from Black Spot Comics, and uh, they're a comic publishing company in the UK, brand new. And uh, the reason they reached out to us is because uh, their first comic they're putting up, called Whistleblower, is in is another extension to the universe of uh, Snow the Dawn, which is a comic that uh, Nick Goode and Harry Hughes... Sort of the dystopian London split into Yeah, it's like set in the future. I think it's like 2079. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like, uh, what was it? Global warming and like uh, terrorist attacks and bombings. Sea levels rise. Right, so it's kind of like driven uh, all these like different boroughs, like like quartered off, walled up boroughs of uh, London. Almost has like this feudal fiefdom thing going. Right. And, and you know, they not only established that, but then they uh, started extensions to that universe and then have even, you know, let other people expand their universe in their own way, which I'm just such a fan of because, I mean, I guess that's really what... Uh, Anything that deepens the setting like that is awesome. But in that way, you know, we've we've had people who are universe building on the show before, but they're trying to do it all themselves. Right. Which, you know, there's nothing wrong with. I mean, you still get a great yeah, story yeah. that way. This but kind at the of same, shared storytelling. On the other side of that coin, yeah, when you're letting other people come in and add their two cents to the story and, you know, take it down a direction you may have never considered, but wow... This is changes everything, you know? Yeah, I just yeah. love that. And uh, that's what this is, called uh, Whistleblower. And all I have here is a brief description. It says, London, 2079, surrounded on all sides by damn walls. The last citizens on Earth are contending with claustrophobia. Cracks are appearing in the veneer of order, and moralities are as gray as the encroaching sea. And in the back streets of uh, Islington, a man with no memory wakes up in the road. A fresh tattoo on his hand... Brands him a criminal, but for what crime, he does not know. As a new threat looms in the underbelly of London, he either needs to stand and run or be swallowed by the city, body, and soul. And again, uh, you can head over to uh, Tapas. I Just Google it. I don't remember the uh, if it's just tapas.com, but T-A-P-A-S should be. And we'll have links on our, uh, on our Twitter and uh, website as well. But it's called Whistleblower. And I believe it's free to be on that uh, on on Tapas, so you could read it now. And they said within the year they're going to have issues available. Cool. But uh, they're on Instagram at Black Spot Comics. Uh, give them give them a look. Check them out. Check out the whole universe. It's really yeah. cool. Wow. So world breaking down in 2079. That sounds a little optimistic. Yeah. You're giving us a little longer than you'd expect. That's yeah. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Well, I think that's actually longer than the UN summit has, as just like yesterday or today announced that we have. <laughs> I saw <laughs> like something we got, about that in the news. It's like we have 39 years to figure something out <laughs> before it's like irreversible damage or some bullshit like uh, that. Sounds great. I already thought we were in the irreversible. Uh, got that zone. great filter coming our way. Yeah. Well, there's yeah. Oh, good. That's that's a whole nother podcast, man. <laughs> <laughs> that it is my god that it is but until then let's turn our attention over to you adam and just talk a little bit more about your podcast uh, something i want to talk about and uh two sure. this freaking comic plot sick uh again we only got to see a few images uh you know that we got right before we started the show but damn they look really good and i'm digging the art Thank style you. so uh what can you tell us about this uh comic uh, Plotsick kind of um, it arose out of experiencing writer block, writer's block, and then kind of having uh, anxiety about it in a in a way that I hadn't really considered before. And it was the idea that like, okay, when you really are into a story, um, when you get to that point where the characters seem to be making their own decisions, and you're just kind of transcribing the logical progression. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a world there that you've built in your mind. And I don't know how other writers work, but like my, my, the way I work, the way things process for me is I kind of slip into those worlds mentally a little bit. And I'll look at different things around me from that, that viewpoint. And that will inform some of the smaller aspects of the story, little, little decisions that can have big consequences. And the idea that like, okay, so I'm writing this main character's life. And if I get stuck for like six months, what happens to this character? Does his life stop? Or does his life continue in like a loop? Because I can't figure out where the story goes next. And much like Electric Hangover has those pages where the author and the writer are arguing about how they're telling the story. Right. Um, this is kind of a uh, it's thematically linked in a in a very specific way into the the not just the relationship between the creator and the creation but the responsibilities that come along with that relationship and the consequences of it. But it's all kind of wrapped up in this very, very um, noir feel. It's it's a detective story at its heart. Um, The main character is a detective and he's trying to solve a mystery. (laughs) That mystery is uh, in in a lot of ways, a lot more metafictional than he initially anticipates it to be. and it's it's a very it's it's a very dense book like at the convention this last weekend man i kept telling people like listen this is not an easy comic but i love it so much so just give it a fucking shot huh like my buddies are like you need to stop pitching this comic to people and let us do it <laughs> like my wife read it she was like this is awesome and i was then i was like oh good she liked it so i started launching into all the different like uh, the art style specifically shifts throughout the book, and each style of artwork is representational of a different layer of narrative. And there's a bunch of supplemental material that's being worked on, uh, sample chapters from books that don't exist, and interviews in magazines that don't exist, which will be press clippings included with the physical copy of the comic. It's a huge undertaking for a very, very ambiguous story. Um <laughs> And even in the intro, the inside cover, which I don't think you guys saw, I straight up say, like, this book kind of stands in opposition to everything I've been taught throughout my career as an illustrator will make a book more marketable or uh, give it more mass appeal. This book is just, you know, uh, pissing off the top of a building onto all of those rules. 
I, uh... I'm very intrigued to read this now. Um, I'm fucking, I'm down. Seeing, <laughs> you, got, you know, I'm anxious to see exactly, one, how you represent that writer's block. I mean, I'm, I'm sure the character just doesn't stop, you know, watch, check his watch, look at the, you know, look at the panel, break the fourth wall, or, you know, just something's got to no, be happening I'm, there, I'm sure. And I'm anxious to see what that is. But, you know, just based on what you sent, it looks to me like uh, when there's a flow going, it's a one art style and when there's not like when the artist is being seen it looked like there was like a strong like colored pencil kind of art happening is that am i correct in that yep yep the uh so without again like i guess it's not really giving away the farm because nobody's really ready yet but um <laughs> the uh i'm sorry the, if i'm the, crying too much trying to get no no too this much is story great like i've i've put so much thought into this that it's thrilling to finally talk about it um the interrogation scene which is prevalent as a narrative base throughout the series um is all done very physically first it's all colored pencil and watercolor and paint and you know scratching up the paper for texture and then there's some digital overlays but they're very specific then when it gets into the proper detective yarn the lester dent master pulp formula style comic book uh that is actually all done digitally um because i like i think it gives it a little bit more of a formulaic or processed feel uh, a lot of those original detective pulps were written according to the the pulp formula and uh they were turned out you know they were structured and i'm a big fan of like the dresden files um which jim butcher openly stated he's like i never planned on writing this series i was having writer's block my literature instructor advised me, he's like, hey, why don't you try writing to a formula? Just see what happens. And now we're like 16 books later. <laughs> um, like a television series and a role-playing game and a series of graphic novels, and it's become this thing. And uh, I take a lot of, I, I'd eat a lot of crow when I went digital with some of my artwork because I was such a physical guy and I was like, fuck pixels and fuck this and whatnot. But at the end of the day, it's just a tool. And... Right. Yeah, this tool might make it easier for some people to make art, but acrylic did the same thing when oil painting was prevalent. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, the easier it is for you to get what you see in your head out into the world, vilifying that is pointless. Um, because the easier it gets, the more people are going to want to do it because then it's it's less about the technical aspect and it's more about the the expression, the creative sure. expression. Oh. Like when GarageBand was made available to the common man and everybody became a musician overnight. <laughs> right? Absolutely. No, that's a that's a prime example, man. I'm one of those people. I got I Same just here. finished it. <laughs> Same <ago>. here. <laughs> right? Like um and uh so yeah, Plotsick is uh that's kind of what it is. It's gonna be uh right now the rough outline is sixteen issues. Uh it's gonna be collected eventually with a lot of the supplemental material. Um, but each book comes with extra stuff. It's not just the comic that you get. Um, it was kind of inspired by this subscription box service we had called, uh, to hunt a killer. And they send you like a box of clues and letters and shit. And so every month you're trying to solve these crimes and it was a lot of fun. It was very interactive. If I can get somebody to look at my comic book, which I mean, that issue is like 12 pages. It's a short book. Uh, if I can get them to give me that much of their time looking at paper, 
in exchange for giving them a bunch of other shit to look at on their phone like that's a fair trade yeah like i'll make a bunch of digital content if that's where people are at as long as they still read the book and the book stands alone like you will be able to just read the comic and be fine but um each issue is going to come with extra shit that's only really going to be available in that form with the single issue purchase and who can beat that? I mean, who loves? I love tacklons, any any kind, oh, especially yeah. if it's going to enrich that uh, that experience with that book. That's amazing. Sure. So, where do people get this then? Uh, right now, it's available for pre-order on my website uh, at swordraws.com. Uh, the book, uh, all the first issues, come with an original uh, illustrated postcard, like an original illustration on a, a postcard. Um, which has some stuff written on the back. So you get an original piece of art with the comic book. I think it's five bucks. Um, and uh, starting Wednesday around the Minneapolis Metro, it's in some shops, but I haven't really pushed any farther than that. You know, it's it's just me and my apartment doing this shit, so we don't have distribution <laughs> proper label or anything. Sure. Um, also, on, if you're on Steemit, if you guys are familiar with Steemit. No, I haven't heard of it. Um, it's a blockchain style it's kind of like reddit but you you actually earn money by posting content oh really uh, crypto but or, but nonetheless yeah like my i think right now my account is worth like a hundred bucks which i could literally cash out into a hundred bucks wow minus minus conversion fees from cryptocurrency to actual currency um but there's a there's a good chunk there's like a seven page preview over there but uh you know, I'm not. I'm not really. I'm kind of at this point right now too. Between illustrating and tattooing part time, I'm. Um, yeah, fuck freebies. If it, if it looks interesting to you, support it. If it doesn't look interesting enough based on the cover and the shit that I put out, I'm not just gonna give like previews to people, sure. like on my website. I used to do that. I used to be like, here's half the book. Now please pay for the rest. And like, whatever, dude. I don't really, uh, I'm making this book to edify myself because I want to be able to look up on my shelf and see it under P for plot sick. Right. And um, if other people dig it and they enjoy it, then that's awesome. I'd love to talk to them about it. But at the end of the day, you know, I make books that I want to read because they are not available for purchase until I make them. You're going to reach the right kind of people either way. Sure. Yeah, nobody is going to accidentally get really into this book. I <laughs> but it's, you know, you're making something that's not out there, yeah. which means there's are people out there who are hungry for something that doesn't exist oh, yeah. that you're going to provide. Yeah, Jake's absolutely right. There's, Any there's vacuum a in, a, in an idea or yeah. in a fiction, there's someone who's like, oh, if only it had this and this and this. Yeah. That's awesome, mm. man. Look, I'm happy for you. And it's a, it's a beautiful book. I can't wait to actually uh, read it. And uh, Yeah, I'm excited to think. Yeah, for sure, and we'll let, definitely let you know. But I got to touch a little bit on your podcast as well. Uh, yeah. What what did you say this show was called? It's the Illustrated Friends Live Podcast. Uh, it's on Sunday nights around nine p.m. Uh, it is we ne we will never start before nine, mm -hmm. um, but sometimes we start a little bit after nine. <laughs> um, and uh, it's uh, it's myself, my buddies Max and Billy, who are. Uh, Longtime friends of mine, Billy has been working conventions with me as like my my buddy for like a decade, and I've tattooed both of them extensively, um, which is kind of where so they, they illustrate. Belong to you at this point, right? Yeah, well, I, I think wait, what we my canvases. It was um, oh, the, we came up with a great pun for that. It was uh, the Billy board and the Max advertisement. <laughs> uh, 
um, like they're they they have some of my favorite tattoo work that I've done. But the podcast started because Max and I were at our tattoo appointments. We'd get less and less done each time because we were talking so much. Finally, I was like, why don't we do a podcast? So we pre-recorded 37 hours of podcasting. Holy and then cow. I found out. Yeah. And then I found out we could do it live. And I was like, oh, let's just do that. So maybe someday those 37 hours will see the light of day. But a lot of the segments that we do now are kind of based on ideas we had then. It's a segment structured show. Um, we have Billy talks us movies in which Billy watches movies, makes notes, and then retells us the movie. Right. Um, for instance, Jeepers Creepers took five episodes to get through. Wow. Uh, and he will, he'll like, he'll describe like camera movements and he'll paraphrase dialogue. And then of course we need to react to what he's telling us because we try to do movies that at least one of us haven't seen. Um, then Max does a segment. It's an NPR like spoof of like this, a day in this life. It's called this digital life. And he does very dry, uh, serious, human interest pieces on characters from video games <laughs> uh, often like B, C or D level characters too because um, he's really into the little stuff I do a segment uh, which is turning into audiobooks that will be available for free come November called Goosebumps Noir where I read Goosebumps books out loud in the voice of like a 50s detective over jazz music oh, wow uh, just what they needed kids, to really yeah because, like, you know, a lot of the stars of Goosebumps are, like, 12-year-old girls named Hannah. So to hear them sound like Deckard or Tom Waits is, is I don't know, I think it's, I, I laugh a lot. It's hard to do live because I start laughing at myself. Um, and then we do, you know, we also keep up on the production stuff. I wrote a screenplay uh, this past summer, and we're filming it this spring. So we kind of keep up on what that process is like and making an indie film and trying to get financing and learning about equipment because my entire crew has never made a movie before. My DPs have done some music videos and, uh, that's about, and then we have special effects and sound who have a little bit of experience, but nothing on this level. Um, so we talk about that and we have some other projects too. We're doing like radio dramas. So it's kind of, a an accountability blog too. We kind of talk about what we're going to try and do the next week and then we make fun of each other if we didn't get that accomplished. And uh, we talk about, you know, mental health and the importance of creation and camaraderie. And I don't know, man, I really like it. I look forward to it every week. It's a lot of fun. It's It becomes a, fer a therapeutic it. thing, doesn't oh, it? Yeah. Billy's therapist literally told him after we had done it for a couple of, probably about two months, that uh, it was one of the most proactive effective and healthiest things he had he had attempted since he had started talking to her and we talk about that on the podcast man it's really cool that wow just being around people that like get you and your sense of humor and are into the same things as you and are only interested in your well-being and your betterment right that's it's a really it's a thing that like people lose sight of man because sociability becomes so much about where you're going and what you're doing and what it looks like that you know, the art of just having a conversation has become so antiquated that now people listen to podcasts where should just motherfuckers having conversations. Mm -hmm. Like it's a it's a market now. Like, oh, these people talk to each other real good. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Go talk to your friend. 
things. Get a fucking microphone. Make podcasts. Like it's not it's unlike a, the uh, what reaction videos you see on YouTube. Sure. You need a surrogate to feel for you mm-hmm. these days. Exactly. Like PewDiePie, like he, all he did would play video games and react oddly to it, and then he got a show. And like it's it's one of those things where you know our teachers told us when we were young. You need to know algebra because you'll not. It's not like you're going to have a calculator on you at all times. They couldn't have predicted cell phones, right? I mean, Gene Roddenberry did, but they couldn't have because they're <laughs> right. um, they're just teachers at a high school. <laughs> <laughs> but on that same note, man, like when we were playing video games growing up, you know, our parents were like, "Well, those will rot your brains," and now it's literally like, "Actually, this will provide me with income until I die." <laughs> um. So, like, good luck with fucking Medicare and. uh so yeah, I think that I, I, it's it's really fun, man. I love doing the podcast. We do game time too, uh, where we play like argument based games. Last night we mashed up Super Fight with Red Flag. Super Fight, you like build a superhero from drawing random cards, and then Red Flag is you try to make a date for somebody, and then your opponents play red flags on them, like you know a gymnast who uh, farts cotton candy in her sleep, <laughs> but swear she's eighteen. You know what I mean? So, like, then people have to choose the least objectionable dates. So we combine them to make super date. Um, that sounds which monstrous. Was, you know, it was a lot of cards, but it was a lot of <laughs> we had like 15 cards each. We're like, ah, oh, Jesus. But so, yeah, that's the podcast, me and the Illustrated Friends podcast. The Illustrated Friends is the name of our production crew. That's who doing my music videos. That's we're doing a, a puppet based dystopian Care Bear reboot fan film that's a hell of a sentence but it's gonna be I was be just fun. gonna say wow like my brain give shut me down just a moment a to catch up to that <laughs> yeah I can repeat that if you need me to it is a puppet based dystopian Care Bear fan film reboot <laughs> no it sounds awesome it really it's, it's does it's like when they read all the specials to you at once at a restaurant you're like just give me a second just, yeah. it all sounds good just Pretzel. Wow. <laughs> Are they still Care Bears at that point? Um, well, because I, I'm my suggestion on the pod last week or the week before was that we change them from Care Bears to Love Bugs, <laughs> um, so that we we can actually make merchandise and everything. But all we'll do because like the way we're doing it is I'm drawing the characters on paper and then we're gluing them to popsicle sticks. And then we're moving them around, but we're doing full sound production, like Foley, score, voice acting, the whole thing. Oh, wow. Um, And so I was like, well, I'm just going to draw the Care Bears, but I'm going to give them antennas and bug wings. And then we'll take pictures of whoever's voice acting them and cut tiny printouts of their faces out and put them on the Care Bears as though it's a human wearing a costume. Um, So that's kind of where the aesthetic's at right now. Um, and we, we give away the farm on everything on that show because we, we literally create stuff as we're going on the podcast. Wow. Yeah. You guys, uh, you guys are a, a horse of many tricks. You guys do so many different things. It's really cool. Yeah. We could probably scale back, but you know, until I mean it in a bad way, I, 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 just... oh, no, I agree though. Like I like that we do all the stuff sometimes though. I think about it. I'm like, why? Well, I, I also still want it to just be me getting together to talk shit about nerd stuff with my buddies sure um we're drafting a, a film a fantasy football for film where like 
you have to you have a stable of actors that you've acquired and then we pick a movie and you have to recast the movie with your actors and then explain how the movie would be different <laughs> That'd be fun. you know like yeah. if you made danny devito darth vader well, you'd have a better movie right off the bat. So let's get that out of the way. Vito's actually, he's a trump card because, like, he makes every movie better. That's a fact. Um, but yes, yeah, so cosplay like, as Darth Vader. I mean, oh, shit, that'd be amazing. Then we, then of course, we took the whole cast of It's Always Sunny and redid Star Wars with them. As well, you should. Right. Um, I think we landed on the McBoyles as R2D2 and C3PO. <laughs> With, like, none of the charisma or charm that makes people like those characters. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, so it's a, it's a still, it's an evolving thing, man. And, uh, I don't know. I'm really into it. We've been doing it. Like I said, we did 37 hours in the bank, but we've been doing it live for shit. Three or four months now. We, we get in every Sunday. Sometimes one of us will be gone, like, at the end of this month. The 28th is a Sunday. That's my wedding anniversary. I'm not going to be there. Um, then we're starting to do giveaways and stuff too. Like I'll give away prints, and I think this month Billy's doing a toy giveaway with some pops and some blind boxes and stuff like that. So it's evolving yeah. as they as they do Always as they flux. do. That's how this started. Just two guys sitting around a mic talking, just and then... a protean mass of not knowing what the fuck to talk about, and then it slowly takes shape. And it turned into <laughs> here we are, two guys sitting around mics. Hell talking. yeah! <laughs> <laughs> but now it's a little more structured. <laughs> That's all right, goes, man. Caught the bug, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a good bug to have, man. It's a good bug to have for sure. And I, I want to remind everyone, uh, Plot Sick. You can check that out at SwordDraws.com. What about the podcast? Is there a website? You guys have a domain name they should check out, or? Uh, no, it's just Mixler.com backslash okay. The Illustrated Friends. If you go to my website or my Instagram, which is uh, the same thing, it's at SwordDraws or The Illustrated Friends Instagram, which is at The Illustrated Friends. Um, I post about it pretty much every time we're, we're going to do it. We we do some music blocks, too, so I'm always soliciting bands to come and give us songs and shit. So oh, Sunday God. night's around 9. Sunday nights at nine. We will put cool. uh, we'll put something on Twitter, Facebook, yeah. all that yeah, stuff. And, yeah. uh, we are going to get the word out for you, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, y'all. No, Adam, and thanks for having me back on the show, you guys. Man, I love fucking coming on your show. Anytime. We can talk about shit. I ever... Yeah, anytime well, I at all. We have a blast having you on the show. So uh, yeah, thanks for being here, man. Jake, what do we have on the website? We've got all things that are good. We've got links to all of our previous episodes as well as our special and most illustrious guests. We've got access to all of our social networking outlets like Twitter and Facebook where we are at CannedAirPod and Instagram where we are at Canned underscore Air. Furthermore, if you really, really like what we do, head on down to Patreon and throw a couple of bucks a month our way. You just wouldn't believe how far it goes. So, you know, don't hesitate to even... A dollar a month is incredible, so really, nothing is too small. Yeah. Uh, But if you hit that $5 mark, you have access to the Founders Club Patreon-exclusive podcast, which is a hell of a lot of fun to make, and we've been getting some really good reception as well, so I think it's well worth your time. Um, Am I missing anything? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, What if? Remember what if? Oh, yeah. What if? Find us on uh, Facebook at uh, What If PDCST and on uh, Twitter. Can or god damn it, or and on Twitter at what if series, you know, give us a follow there, be in the know the second it launches. And again, just a few weeks away. And mind you, we're not some SoundCloud rapper who keeps telling you there are big things coming but never actually unveils them. This is happening, <laughs> we've yeah. put way too much work into this. 
And if you need an example of what you know what the show's going to be like, there are uh, canned air episodes oh, yeah. that have links that on that Twitter uh, feed, so you can uh, you know see exactly what we're going to be doing. And uh, I just can't wait. We've recorded oh, what about six, seven yeah. episodes thus far, and, and I, not a single one of them I haven't loved. Damn, a couple of them we've walked away from like in a little bit changed. Like still like, thinking oh, about like two days later. <laughs> like the if animals could talk, that one stuck with me. Was incredible because like Jack hit me up the next day and said, "I saw three raccoons on the way home, two deer and a possum." <laughs> like he was just like, "I'm so aware of them now." Aware of all the animals. <laughs> uh, and a quick reminder on Adult Swim: first, uh, we have Dream Corp LLC season two, October twenty first. At midnight, set those DVRs. That's a Sunday, and then even earlier than that, October fourteenth at midnight, also a Sunday. We have Harvey Birdman, Attorney General. <laughs> How can you say moving no? moving up in the world? How can you say no? Set the DVRs for this Adult Swim greatness because that's typically always what it is, right? Oh, yeah. Well, they, they had a segment called DVR Theater at one point, I think, where it's just like so late at night they weren't even telling you to watch it, just record it. <laughs> All right, I think that's probably going to do it for this week. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jake Runyon. And this is Adam Sward. Thanks for listening, everyone. Jimmy? Hey, it's Alpine! While you're waiting on your negligent parents to find you, why don't you pull out your mobile device and get on CandarePodcast.com? Shoot, it may even help him find you. Well, that makes no sense. Hey, what are you doing near my son? Time to split. G.I. Joe! Hello, I'm recording a message for Skype call testing service. Message. Message. I have a micro penis. What? I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 